Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Calling Nick Carter. Another case for Nick Carter, master detective. Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction. Nick Carter, master detective. This week's curious adventure is... Murder in the Crypt. Nick Carter and the Jekyll God. came here this time any more than he did the other times I was here. <laughs> Those footsteps coming this way. It, it's Anubis. Anubis. Oh, it can't be. I am Anubis, guardian of the dead. No, no. I must be dreaming. I am Anubis, the jackal god. But you're not... No... No, Condition good. Come in. Are you Dr. Waldemar? I am. I'm Lieutenant Riley from headquarters. You called me about a museum guard who disappeared? Of course, of course. It's about Shelby, the chief attendant here at the Egyptian Museum. Where and when did this Shelby disappear, Doctor? He failed to report to me as usual before leaving last night. The guards on the door say he did not leave the building. Hmm. We've hunted everywhere for him, but we haven't found him. Oh, you've hunted everywhere, have you? Yes, Lieutenant. Everywhere except in the crypt of Sotru. The, the, the what of who? The crypt of Sneferu, an Egyptian king of the fourth dynasty. Mm. And where is this crypt? In the basement? No, it's on the second floor, directly above this office. Mm. It was installed especially for Professor Glidden, the archaeologist. He alone has access to the crypt. It has a special lock on the door. Oh, you mean he has the only key, huh? Precisely. I called Professor Glidden's apartment a while ago, but he did not answer. I presume he is on his way down here now. I hope he can shed some light on this mystery.
Wait, isn't this the, the Egyptian museum across the road? Yes, Patsy, it is. Never been in it? Mm-mm. Looks too much like a mausoleum for me. <laughs> Are we going in to look at the mummy? That, Patsy, depends entirely upon Professor Glidden. Who's he? That bearded man who is beckoning to us in the doorway of the museum. Oh, I see him. Is he a client of yours? Yes. He phoned just before you arrived at the office this morning. What does he want? That, I don't know, Patsy. Suppose we join him and find out. say, Professor, that the Archaeological Society gave Dr. Waldemar the money to complete the museum. Yes, Mr. Carter. Mm-hmm. Provided that he would install a special crypt where uh, I could place the relics from the tomb of King Snefru for examination and classification. So the crypt is officially your property? For the present, yes. When my work is finished, it will be open to the public. I see. And uh, that's where do I come in? I want you, Mr. Carter, to be present when we search the crypt. So there will be no question that Shelby is not there. This is Dr. Waldemar's office? It is. Oh, good morning, Gooden. Uh, this is Lieutenant Biley from headquarters. Hello there, Lieutenant Riley. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Nicholas Carter and Patsy, too. We haven't seen each other for a long while. Uh, now, don't tell me that you're looking for this man Shelby, too, Nick. I am, Riley. At the request of Professor Glidden. Oh. So since Dr. Waldemar has asked you to perform the same service, Riley, why don't we work together? Uh, glad to, Nick. Fine. Oh, you wouldn't object if Lieutenant Riley helped search the crypt, would you, Professor? Not at all. Well, Riley, shall we adjourn to the crypt? Right, Nick. The crypt is on the second floor, right over this office. Come, come, Glidden, unlock the door. This is an intricate lock, Waldemar. It takes careful handling of the key. There. Uh, where's the light switch, Professor Glidden? Uh, just inside the door to the right. Very well, I'll... <laughs> well, would you look at that now? <laughs> I never saw a statue to resemble that beast. The body of a man and the head of a dog it has. I'd call it the head of a jackal, Riley. Uh-huh. Am I right, Professor Glidden? You are, Mr. Carter. That bronze statue is a life-size figure of Anubis, the jackal god. Anubis was the guardian of the dead. And his statue was set at the entrance of ancient tombs to keep out thieves. And the jackal face is enough to scare anyone away. Come along, Riley. Let's look around inside the crypt. Okay. Well, here's a mummy case, which I suppose contains old King Snefru in person. Quite right, Mr. Carter. Yeah, now here's the old boy's throne. <laughs> it looks like the original Morris chair. Let's see. There's nobody hiding under it, Riley. Okay, Nick. See, now look over there. In the alcove over behind the statue. Now, what is it? An ancient Egyptian bathtub? That, Riley, is a sarcophagus. Uh, a stone coffin. The one that once contained the mummy case we just saw. Gosh, now, it's a big thing now, ain't it? What's all this crazy writing on the front of it? Those are hieroglyphics, Riley. Inscriptions about old King Snapper. Oh. What's inside this thing, Nick? Oh, probably nothing now, Riley. Just the big book. Now, what is it, Nick? This sarcophagus is not empty, Riley. Huh? Shelby's in it. What? And he's dead. Once 
Once again, Lieutenant Riley, I must reply that I know nothing of this matter. As I've told you, I scarcely knew Shelby. Now, look here, Riley. Your evidence against my client is purely circumstantial. Ah, uh, Nick, it's a disgrace to the memory of old Sim Carter, the way his one and only son tries to misinterpret the bald facts. The bald facts in this case is this, Riley. You have no proof that Professor Glidden even came to this museum last night. Look, all I want is one more bit of circumstance, Nick. Dr. Waldemar, can you think of anything else that might be, well, interesting in this case? Now, let me see. Look, Nick. A strange woman coming down the corridor toward us. Oh, she looks like something revived from ancient Egypt. She walks like a cat. You can't hear the slightest footstep. Quiet, Patsy. She's stopping close enough to overhear us. Uh, Lieutenant Riley, huh? I have it. Ask the professor just how he knew that Shelby was missing when he telephoned Carter this morning. I yeah. shall answer that question, Dr. Waldemar. Say, where did you come from? Who is this lady, Dr. Waldemar? Allow me to introduce Madame Dackler, our librarian. Oh, you have a library in this museum? Oh, yes. The library is in the other wing near the elevator. I was the person who informed Professor Glidden that Shelby was missing. I telephoned him this morning. After the search began. And Professor Glidden telephoned me, Riley, asking me to come here to protect his interests, which I have so far tried to do. Mm. Madame Dackler comes from Cairo. She's an Egyptian, well-versed in ancient lore and legend. Madame Dackler, do you really believe those old Egyptian legends? I must believe them. With my own eyes, I have seen the living Anubis walk through the corridors of this museum. But that statue couldn't possibly get out of a locked crypt. To Anubis, anything is possible. It is his duty to guard the treasure in the crypt. What treasure, Madame Dacla? Treasure that is found in the tomb of every Egyptian king. Anubis, the avenging jackal god, knew that the museum god Shelby sought the treasure. So Anubis sought Shelby and killed him and put his body in the crypt as a warning. Anubis is all-powerful. You mean you've actually seen this, uh, this jackal god walking around this museum recently? Anubis, the guardian of the dead, leaves the crypt of King Snefru and prowls these corridors every night. I have seen him do it. Gosh. That will be all, Madame Dacklau. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, Nick, suppose we go through that crypt again and see what we can learn. An excellent suggestion, Riley. Patsy. Suppose you go around and wait in the library with Madame Delka. We'll join you there later. Ah, Nick. This crypt is as solid as a rock. We've tested every inch of floor and walls and ceiling here. Yes, Riley, every spot we've tapped seems to be solid stone or concrete. Uh, Nick, suppose we check those measurements again, eh? Oh, no use in that, Riley. The room's 30 by 30, with four feet out for the door on one side, and eight feet out for the alcove on the other. Mm. Uh, how big did you say that sarcophagus was, Nick? It's eight feet long and six feet wide. Practically the same size as the alcove it's standing in. Mm. And it's four feet, six inches high. Why? Yeah, I was just thinking, Nick. That's an awful big chunk of rock there. Well, Professor Glidden says this one weighs over 1,100 pounds. Uh, it's over half a ton. This goes to show that the floor in this crypt must be solid to support such a weight day in and day out. There's an answer to this case somewhere, Riley. Yeah. Even if I don't know yet where it is. Come on. Let's get back to the office. Yeah. 
If I'd followed my better judgment, I'd have locked Professor Glidden in a jail cell first. It wouldn't be wise just yet, Ralph. Uh, you're wrong there, Nick. And I'll tell you why. This door here is the only way in and out of that crypt. And this key, the only key there is now, belonged to Professor Glidden. Riley, I want to learn the motive behind Shelby's murder. There were some strange things going on around this museum. Come in, come in. Oh, it's you, Mr. Carter. Bowen. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, are you convinced that only Glidden could have entered that crypt upstairs? I never like to accept the obvious, Dr. Wallabar. Oh, there goes the closing bell. I must put these Egyptian relics back in the vault. Oh, we're out of here. A large vault, that is, Dr. Waldemar. Yes. The museum requires a large vault. I have this one built here in the wall, especially... Was it included in the original plans for the museum? Well, no, not exactly. This wing of the building was still unfinished when the architect died. In completing it, we made some minor changes. I see. Doctor, do you think Madame Dacla... You must excuse me for a few minutes, Carter. I must speak to the attendants before they leave. It was one of poor Shelby's duties. It will only take a few minutes. By the way, Patsy, hmm? there's something on Waldemar's desk that should interest you. You mean that odd-looking jar? Mm-hmm. It contains some ancient Egyptian perfume, he said. Hmm. Smells like roses. Very strong. you better put it in the vault, Patsy. Waldemar must have overlooked it. Can you smell it, Nick? Powerful stuff. Yes, I can smell it, all right. Put it in one of the shelves in the vault. Oh. What's the matter, Patsy? I just tripped on a small step at the front of the vault. You didn't spill any of that priceless perfume, did you? Oh, I'm afraid... Yes, I did spill a few drops of it, Nick. Well, don't tell Waldemar. Oh, I hear him coming. Come out of the vault and look innocent. Okay. Well, Carter, another day is done. Oh, if you please stand away from the vault, Miss Bowen. I should like to close the door. Thank you. By the way, Doctor... Was there any treasure buried with King Sneferu? Probably. It was the custom. But it is also probable that such treasure was stolen centuries ago. Well, isn't Glidden interested in the matter of treasure? Possibly. But he's more interested in translating the hieroglyphics on the sarcophagus. Hmm. Well, Patsy, I must be going. You must be going? You mean you're going to leave me here in the museum? Only for a little while. I want you to go back to the library and have a talk with Madame Dacklar, Patsy. Talk about what? I'll tell you that while we're walking to the other wing. Good night, Dr. Wallemar. Good night, Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter isn't interested in ancient manuscripts, Madame Dacklar. He wants to see the architect's plans for this museum. Oh, but he should ask Dr. Waldemar for those. I don't think Dr. Waldemar has them. Mr. Carter wants the original plan. I shall be glad to see if I can find them for you. I shall try the file cabinet by the door. Well, they're not under A for architect. And they are not under B for building plans either. I shall try under M. 
Museum. Museum plans. What's that clumping sound out in the corridor? Yes, yes, here they are. In this folder. Plans for Egyptian museum to be erected Look, in the... coming through the door. Anubis. Welcome, Anubis. Anubis gives no greeting to those who defy him. I have never defied you, Anubis. You have sought the treasure that I got. Never, never. I have always... <gasps> Let go! Let go! Away, away, you! Now, what new mischief is going on here, Nick? O'Reilly, a dozen times. Huh? Patsy was just going to tell me. Who was it took Madame Dacklau away, Patsy? It was somebody. Somebody who looked like Anubis, the jackal god. What? Really, Nick? Madame Dacklau had the plans of the museum in her hand. They're gone, too. Nick, this time we're going to look in that crypt upstairs first. Come on! Find that light switch now, Nick. Right, Riley. Yeah, there she is, laying right at the feet of that that creature Anubis there. You mean the statue of Anubis, Riley? Well, it may be a statue now, Nick, but I am near to believing that the thing comes alive when it chooses. Madame Dackler alive? Oh, she, she, she's still breathing, Patsy. Oh, what do you make of it, Nick? She's oh. been drugged, Riley. Quick, get her over to the door where the air is pressure. Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's right. Ah, she's oh. coming around now. Where, where am I? You're all right, Madame Dacker. Oh, but I am, I am in the crypt now. And the last I knew, I, I was in the library. I knew it. I knew steel doors are no barrier to a new uh, Help her outside, Patsy, so, so I can lock the door. Here. You lean on me, Madame Dacker. But I tell you, it is useless to lock that door. A new can pass through all barriers. Maybe so, but Professor Glidden can't. Come on, Madame Doctor. I'll take you back to the library. Then I'm going to put the professor in jail where I can keep my eye on him. From now on, there'll be no Patsy. Hmm? When Riley opened the crypt just now and found Madame Doctor, did you notice the peculiar fragrance in the place? I must have been too excited to notice it, Nick. What was it like? It was the perfume of roses, Patsy. Musty, ancient roses. You should have recognized it. You mean... It was like the perfume from the bottle I spilled in Waldemar's office? Yes, Patsy. It smelled exactly the same. I admit nothing, Lieutenant Riley. I can't tell you how either Shelby or Madame Dacla got into the crib. It's like I've been trying to tell you, Clinton. It's very simple. You had two keys, but you only gave me one. And as I've been telling you, Lieutenant Riley, there was no duplicate key. Stay out. I'm busy here. I said stay... Hello, Riley. Hello, Glidden. So it's you again, Mr. Nicholas Carter. Well, I don't care whether Professor Glidden is your client or not. We're not releasing him. I don't want him released, Riley. I just want to ask him a few questions. Tell me, Professor Glidden, when you sent those relics of King's nephew to the Egyptian Museum, did Dr. Waldemar have any chance to examine them? Why, no. They were all heavily boxed and crated. That is, everything except the sarcophagus. That was handled separately. Waldemar installed the sarcophagus in the crypt before I arrived. I see. I I seem to recall that Shelby helped him set it up. The boxes and crates were all upstairs when I got back. But I opened them alone and set up everything myself, including the statue. That's all I wanted to know. I'm sorry, Professor, that you'll have to spend the night here. 
but I hope to arrange a release by morning. All right, Sergeant. Take the professor to his cell. Yes, sir. Come along, Professor. Say, Riley. Mm? Will you do something for me? Why should I? Why shouldn't you? You'll learn something yourself, and that's always a help in a murder case. All right, Nick. When can I lose? Fine. Pick up Patsy. She has all my notes, and you may need them. And both of you go to the crypt. Where will you be, Nick? I have to attend to another matter first. Now, listen carefully, Riley. Mm. Here's what I want you to do. When you get to the... How long have we been in this crypt, Lieutenant Riley? Oh, it's about 15 minutes, Patsy. If you didn't have a luminous dial on your watch, I'd say it was hours. Why did Nick say that we should stay here in the dark? <laughs> You'll have to ask Nick that when he gets here, Patsy. Where did Nick say he was going? Well, no, it might be that he's calling on Madame Dacla. What? Oh, it's just a questioner, you understand. Oh, Riley, of all the ridiculous notions. <laughs> well, Dacla's boyfriend, Anubis, is right here beside us, Patsy. Do you see it? Yeah, this statue of Anubis must be solid bronze, Patsy. If nothing happens here, something will happen when I find Mr. Nick Carter. Only ten minutes more, Patsy. I'm getting so used to this darkness, I can see the sarcophagus plainly. Looks so big. Yeah, it is big. It's almost... What's that? I don't know. Sounds as if something was happening at last. Riley! Hey, what is it, Patsy? You're not, you're not getting hysterical now, are you? Riley, I smell something. The perfume of roses. And it's getting stronger. Now, what is the perfume of roses to do with all this here? Riley, Look! Look at that sarcophagus. Patsy, what we're looking at can't be happening here. But it is. That sarcophagus is rising straight up in the air. And I've always said that the seed was believing. Look. I see what's doing it, Riley. You, you, you can't tell me that, that anything that will make a stone coffin weigh in half a ton go floating up in the air five feet off the floor, Patsy. It's on top of an elevator, Riley. Uh, an elevator? Sure, that's what's lifting it. Well, glory be. You're right, Patsy. That's what that rumbling sound was. Riley. Yeah? The man coming out of the elevator with a flashlight. Wait till I draw my gun, Patsy. I'll fix it. You're too late, Riley. Uh, I have you covered. It's Dr. Waldemar. Why? Riley. That elevator is the vault from Waldemar's office. Quite right, Mr. Bowles. I have you both covered. Don't try anything, either of you. Well, what would you be trying, Waldemar? There will be two new victims in this vault, Lieutenant Riley. Uh, two fools who, like Shelby, found out too much. But I'm sorry it isn't three. Nick Carter would be a welcome addition. You really mean that, Waldemar? Nick, where are you? Carter, how did you get here? I've been waiting for you in King Sneffru's sarcophagus. And now if you... I'll kill you first, Carter. I doubt that. Uh... Okay, Patsy. Look out, Patsy! He's knocking over that statue! It's falling over! will be along any minute now, Patsy. He called me at the hospital and asked they asked me to meet him here outside the crypt in 15 minutes. Said he wanted to examine the elevator in the crypt. Was Waldemar dead, Nick? No, Patsy. I only wounded him. He knocked himself out when he staggered against the statue of Anubis. Waldemar made a complete confession when he recovered consciousness. He's admitted that he was hunting for the king's treasure and wanted to find it before Professor Glidden finished translating the hieroglyphics. And he was using the elevator to make secret trips between his office and this crypt. Exactly, Patsy. When Waldemar completed the new wing of the museum, 
He modified the original plans and put his office at the end of the first floor corridor. Then he built this crypt on the second floor, right over his office. Evidently, the elevator was already installed, and Waldemar brought the sarcophagus up on top of it. And there was a sarcophagus standing in an alcove that was really the elevator shaft. Mm Mm-hmm. The elevator itself became the vault in Waldemar's office. He disguised it with shelves and loaded them with curios. But it was still an elevator. And you think Shelby found out about it? Shelby must have helped Waldemar arrange things, since it was more than a one-man job. Then later, Shelby decided to look for the treasure on his own. Apparently. Waldemar confessed that he murdered Shelby for those very reasons and left the body in the crypt to blame the crime on Professor Glidden. And Waldemar put Madame Dackler in the crypt so Glidden would be blamed again. Exactly. But he didn't have to kill Dackler. She knew nothing, you see. He merely grabbed Dackler in order to get the original plans of the museum. Here comes the professor now, Nick. Oh, hello, Professor. Right on time, I see. I'm so glad to find you here, Carter. I wanted you to be here when I examined the crypt in the elevator. I want no more surprises. Well, I don't think anything else is going to happen up here, Professor, but I'll be glad of the chance to do a little extra looking around myself. There's that Anubis again. He's on his face this time. It was quite clever of Waldemar to disguise himself as Anubis. He really did resemble the statue. Look, Nick. Where, Patsy? There, the statue lying on the floor. Why, the head is completely turned around. Yes, the fall must have knocked it loose. Oh, give me a hand with it, Professor. We'll set it up again. Oh, certainly, Carter. It's pretty heavy. Yes, it is. What? Go! Oh, Nick, is it real? I imagine it is, Miss Bowen. Why, this must be the treasure of old King Snuffroos. So that's where the royal treasure was hidden. Valdemar must have looked everywhere except in the head of this statue. So Anubis was really the keeper of the treasure. Well, congratulations, Professor. And I hope this discovery makes up for all your troubles. It does indeed, Mr. Carter. I shall now be able to visit Egypt again. one problem that still bothers me. And I suppose, as usual, that the problem represents the crux of the whole case. It does. When I put that jar of perfume on the shelf, did you already know that the vault was an elevator? I did, Patsy. The elevator floor wasn't quite level. That's why you tripped as you went into the vault. But of course. But, Nick, what made you think it was an elevator in the first place? Quite simple, Patsy. There had to be an elevator to take the sarcophagus up to the crypt on the second floor. But, Nick, there's an elevator in the other wing of the museum. They could have taken the sarcophagus up that way and wheeled it across to the crypt. Patsy, how large is the sarcophagus? Why, well, it's eight feet long and six feet wide and four and a half feet high, didn't you say? Mm-hmm. And how wide is the door to the crypt? Four feet, according to your measurement. Exactly. Now, Patsy, do you think you could put a sarcophagus four feet six inches high through a door only four feet wide? Of course not, Nick. Of course not, Patsy. Not even Dr. Waldemar could do it. Up through the alcove was the only way. Waldemar probably hoped that no one would think to compare the size of the door to the size of the sarcophagus. And nobody did, except Nick Carter. was another strange experience of Nick Carter, master detective, called Murder in the Crypt, or Nick Carter and the Jackal God. 
another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick and Patsy, what about our story for next week? Well, next week's story is full of action, isn't it, Patsy? Action is right. You see, Nick investigated a murder on a lonely place called Skull Island. Yes, and there were only four people on the island who could have committed the crime. But it took a model of a clipper ship and a sea serpent to find out who the murderer was. It also took Nick Carter and a smart piece of deduction on his part to work out the answer. But what did a sea serpent have to do with the murder? Well, we'll tell you all about that next week. In the meantime, I'm glad I don't have to say sarcophagus again. So long. <laughs> so long, everybody. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by John Clark, Patsy by Helen Choke. The story was written for Nick Carter by Walter Gibson. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week at the same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled Murder on Skull Island. Or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Sea Serpent. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. Patsy, out you go. This is it. This is what, Nick? A studio of magnificent pictures, of which Joseph Stone is the owner and director. Well, there goes another illusion. I thought movie studios were all bright lights and glamour. This place looks like a stage set for the deserted village. Well, it's been locked up for the past ten years or so. Oh. That's funny. The gate's locked. And that's our cue to turn around and go home again. You've got a nice, tasty jewel robbery waiting for you to solve back in town, and you should be working on that. Instead of being way out here at the end of nowhere, playing around a forgotten movie studio. I guess I'll have to pick the lock. Okay, if you must. Patient Patsy will bear with your little game. This is no game, Patsy. Why, what do you mean? The house of Lulu Doré, the star of Stone's new picture, was broken into last night while she was at a dance. She was wearing her jewels, including the famous emeralds. Fortunately, though, nothing was stolen. There. There we are. All right, Patsy, go ahead. It's funny there isn't a gatekeeper around. It does, doesn't it? Well, I guess I haven't got a full staff for the studio, considering they moved back from Hollywood just to do this one show. Why did they do that, Nick? Oh, Doré had a run-of-the-pay contract for the show she's doing on Broadway and couldn't go west. Hey, there, where do you think you're going? Oh, so there is a door, uh, Gateman. I am looking for Mr. Stone's office. Well, you can't see him. I'm afraid you don't understand. I'm Nicholas Carter. Mr. Stone's expecting me. I'm taking my orders from Lieutenant Riley of the Metropolitan Police. He says to admit no one. Riley? What's he doing here? Investigating a murder. Murder? I thought you said robbery, Nick. What murder? Come on, get out of here. I got my orders. Come on, Patsy. Let's find Riley or Joe Stone. Hey! You can't do that. Come back here. It's all right. I'll explain to the police. 
Hurry. Hurry. What, what is this, then? Shall I plan to find out right now? And I take it this fellow Boyd who's been killed is a fairly unimportant chap, eh, Mr. Well, Stone? Well, yes, he, he was just a darn good electrician. Oh. Doesn't seem to be any connection between his murder and the attempted robbery of Miss Doré. Well, no, there doesn't. Is Lieutenant Riley here now? Yes, yes, he's over on stage five. It's that building over there. Do you want me to come with you? Yes, I wish you would, Mr. Stone. There may be points I'd like to ask you about. I'd be glad to help, of course, if I can help. There's one thing I don't understand, Mr. Stone. You say Boyd was shot in the back with a poisoned arrow from a blowgun. It's an odd weapon. should be fairly easy to trace. You don't have to trace it very far, Mr. Carter. The blowgun and the arrow were mine. Yours? Yes, well, you see, how... 11 years ago, I tried to do a picture about a voodoo witch doctor who used the blowgun in it. I don't suppose you remember the picture, Mr. Carter. It was called the voodoo curse. Oh, yes, yes, I do. You had a bit of trouble over it, I believe. A bit of trouble? It practically drove me into bankruptcy. I'd imported a real voodoo witch doctor from Haiti, and he put a curse on the whole studio. Oh, come now, Stone. You don't really believe that. I don't know what I believe anymore. Eleven years ago, we had fires, we had explosions, we had mysterious thefts. We, we had just about everything. It got so that everybody was scared to work here. I had to close the studio, and, and now we have a murder. Why should the witch doctor put a hex on you? Oh, I had an argue with him, though, with a salary of some sort. He, he swore he'd break me, and he almost did. Well, here, this is stage five, well, well, Nicholas Carter. Hi, Riley. <laughs> and Patsy. Hello. Well, what might you be doing here? He's come to help you, Lieutenant. Well, that's very obliging of him, I'm sure. Say, was that a crack? Why, of course not. Well, let's get to work. Riley, where was the body found? Right over there by that door, Nick, where the chalk marks are. Hmm. I wonder what he was doing way over here. He, he was setting up the stage, as I told you. But all his equipment's over there, clear across the set. Riley. How was he facing when he died? He was lying on his face with his head towards that door, Nick. Shot in the back, wasn't he? Yep. We figured from the angle of the arrow that the blowgun fellow must have been sitting up there on that catwalk when he killed him. Mr. Stone, what's behind that door that Boyd was heading for? Well, special electrical equipment, I believe, for special effects. Would Boyd have known that? Yes, of course. He worked on this stage years ago. He, he probably would have remembered. That's it, then. He was going into that room to see if he could find some special equipment he needed. That accounts for his being way over here. And you think there was something in there the killer didn't want him to see, Nick? Right, Riley. Let's go in. Just lock, Nick. Oh, Stone, uh, give me your keys, will you? Keys? I, I, I have no keys for these rooms. Well, did Boyd have any? Well, I believe he had borrowed the caretaker set. Riley, did you search the corpse? Of course I did, Nick. No keys? No keys. I, I can get a locksmith out from the village. What? You have no duplicates? The place has been locked up so long. I, I never expected to come back here was trying to sell it, as a matter of fact. Take the lock, Nick. This seems to be your day for doing that. Just what I'm going to do, Patsy. I'll, I'll get you more light. Oh, he doesn't need light. He can see in the dark, practically. No, you don't have to see to pick a lock. There. There. And there. That's it. Now we'll get a look at what your killer didn't want Boyd to see. Here, here's the light switch. Oh, wait, wait, mm. wait. Don't crowd in like that. Uh-huh. Look. Footprints. Footprints in the dust. Golly, Nick, there goes your theory. Boyd was here before he was killed and took out whatever it was he wanted. Well, it was a cute theory while it lasted. Maybe it's still a cute theory, as you call it. Uh, all we have to do now, Nick, is to measure the prints and see if they're Boyd's or not. They're not. How do you know? Yeah, you haven't even seen the body. These prints were made by leather-soled shoes. Right, Riley? Well, yeah, you're right, but... And Boyd was wearing rubber soles. How do you know he was, Nick? Correct me if I'm wrong, Stone. 
Don't all technicians in a soundstage wear rubber-soled shoes to kill any noise that the soundtracks might pick up? Well, you're right, Carter, they do. Now, those leather-soled prints mean that it wasn't Boyd, but our friend the murderer who used the keys he took from Boyd to get in here. They lead to that crate. Let's see what's in it. No, don't walk on the footprints. We need them as evidence. I'll wager you'll find the crate empty. The murderer didn't just walk over to it, look in, and walk out again. Oh, no. He took away everything he didn't want Boyd or anyone else to find. You're right, Nick. The crate is empty. Shall we search the room, Nick? What's the point in that? If there was anything here, it's gone by now. Murderer seemed to that. I wonder what was in this crate. I wonder if... Help! 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 Oh, Nick, the poor kid... What is it, Carter? Another murder. Another? Good Lord. Can you identify him, Stone? Why, it's Bill Daly, our camera punk. Camera punk? What's that? Oh, it's studio slang for assistant to the camera. Uh, You you people all run too fast for me. What's up here? Keep for yourself, Riley. Good gosh, another murder. And it looks from his position as if he was just coming out of that door over there. That's funny. Both he and Boyd... Any idea what he was doing around here, Stone? Uh, Yes, I... I sent him over here myself about an hour ago to look in that warehouse, see if there was any of that old photographic equipment we could remodel and use. Priorities, you know. Daly was very clever at that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a mean-looking knife he's got sticking in his throat, Nick. Knife? Good Lord. Well, what is it, Mr. Stone? That, that knife is from that same voodoo picture. There seem to be a few too many of those old props hanging around. Are there any more? Yes, there's a complete stock of weapons. Everything we used in that confounded picture. The voodoo curse? Yes. I rather think I'd like to see that film, Stone. Is there a copy of it around here anyplace? Well, as much as we ever shot of it, it was never finished, you know. Could you run it off for me? Well, certainly I will. I'll go arrange it now. Thanks. Well, Nick, what do you think? I'm not sure. Any opinions yourself? Yes. My money's on stones doing it. Stone. Why in the world would he do it? Well, I don't know. I haven't figured out the reason for it yet. But he acts kind of funny. Nervous, sort of. And he keeps talking about the place maybe being haunted. Oh, good heavens, Riley. Who wouldn't be nervous with all this murder going around? I know I am. Well, take the weapons, Nick. They all belong to him. But other people could have access to them, Riley. After all, Stone hasn't been here for over ten years. Mm. And there's something more important you've overlooked, Riley. Mm. What's that, Nick? How did Stone manage to throw that knife at Daly while he was with us? How do I know? We were all so busy looking at that star room on the set, he, he could have sneaked up. By golly, I'll bet that's how he did do oh, it. Oh, that's Stone beckoning to us. You want to go to see the movies, Riley? I got better things to do, Nick. I'm going to search this joint. How about you, Betsy? Sure thing. But why do you want to see it? I'm not sure, Patsy. But I've got sort of a hunch that the answer to all our questions lie hidden in that old picture. Did all movie projectors make this racket ten years ago? Most of them, Patsy. Mm. Now, listen. You don't believe in our voodoo magic, eh? Well, if you've been here long enough to see some of the things I've seen. Really, Ross, there's something uncanny about these natives. Call it coincidence if you like. Who's the woman? Gosh, she's good at it. That's Lula Dore, the star of the picture stone shooting here now. Well, their voices sound funny and tinny. Yeah, they certainly do. It's enough to scoff when you've just come down from the States. But it is magic. 
no other way to explain some of the things that happened. Magic mumbo-jumbo, you mean. You'll never convince me it's anything else. I suppose this is another of those wild dances. Now, there's a really good voice. Who is he, Nick? Now, don't tell me you don't remember him, Patsy. Uh-uh. His name was Bart Tyson, great leading man, ten years back. Oh, I remember his name, of course. This is rather better than most of the dances I've seen. Patsy, I've heard that voice very recently. You must be almost over now, Nick. Have you discovered anything? I'm not sure yet. Gosh, they had some pretty fancy photography in those days. I, I thought all that underwater swimming stuff was comparatively new. Oh, no. Stone was the first person to use it. Well, how did they do it? Look at that man swimming. It couldn't be faked. It isn't. It was taken through some sort of a glass tank. That native has been underwater for 20 minutes. No human can hold his breath that long. That's what I've been telling you, Ross. They're magic, these natives. Magic. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. That voice. I've heard it somewhere before myself. I never heard Tyson act before. Hey, don't we see the ending? Nope. It's all they made, Patsy. The picture wasn't finished. Did you find out what you wanted to? I'm not quite sure. Well, Mr. Carter, did you like the picture? Oh, a very interesting stone. Oh, that Lula Dory certainly is beautiful, isn't she, Mr. Stone? I've never seen her in pictures before. Has she done anything else? No, nothing. Until now that she's starring in my new show on Broadway. That's funny. Think with her looks and her voice, she'd be a sensation. Mm, that's what I've always claimed. But, well, she got scared off after all these things happened during the filming of this one. And, well, she's stuck to Broadway ever since. And when Tyson, her leading man, was hurt, she rather felt... Oh, about... I was wondering what happened to Tyson. From what I could gather from this show, he should have been a natural for talkies. Oh, he was. But we had a bad explosion and his whole face was terribly scarred. That's why we could never finish this picture... He never could act in pictures again. Oh, what a shame. Well, Stone, thanks for showing us the film. Mind if we scout around after Riley? Oh, no, not at all. If you need me, I'll be on stage three. We're going to start shooting soon. Good. It's funny about Dore. She seems to be cropping up in our lives all over the place. Yes, she does, doesn't she? Patsy, if you find a telephone, get hold of Scubby. Mm -hmm. Find out what you can about Bart Tyson and what's happened to him since the accident. Okay, Nick. Where'd you be? If I don't see you before, I'll meet you at Stone's office at noon. Right. Oh, Nick! Nick Carter! Oh, Riley. Just looking for you. You found anything yet? Yeah, we found all the weapons from that voodoo movie. All except the ones we'd already found, that is. How'd you know you found them all? Stone had an inventory. We checked on it. Well, if your theory about Stone's correct, Riley, he could have falsified that inventory. Uh, Well, why should he? Well, perhaps he had a couple of weapons hidden somewhere and doesn't want us to know anything about them. Nick, the the, the more I think about it, the less I like that guy. (laughs) Find anything else? No, 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 not a blessed thing. Search the whole lot, have you? All but stage nine over there. That's locked up tighter than a drum. I can't pick locks the way the great Carter does. Okay, I'll take care of those. Uh, Riley, why don't you go on down to stage three? They're going to start shooting the picture pretty soon, and I'd feel a lot more comfortable if someone were on guard there. We've had enough murders for one day. <laughs> you think this is a gag, having us get all dressed up like merry villagers or something? It's not a gag, Patsy. It's insurance. What do you mean? Just what I said. When we're dressed up in our regular clothes, everybody in the lot knows who we are. But anyone seeing us dressed up like this will think we're actors and never look at us twice. 
I never thought I'd live to see the day when people wouldn't stare at Nick Carter, master detective, all dressed up in knee pants. Quiet. Did you check with Scubby? Yep. But just as Stone said, Tyson was hurt in that explosion and then just sort of vanished. Hasn't been heard of since. Hmm. That takes care of that. Well, here's stage nine. The only place that hasn't been searched either by Riley or me. What do you expect to find? I don't know. It's funny, this door isn't locked. Everything else in the lot has been. Yes. Riley distinctly said it was locked when he tried it. Well, keep your eyes open. There may be a reason for it being open now. Golly, it's dark inside here. Here. Take this flashlight. Okay. I've got another. Hey, Nick, look. There's an old makeup table. I wonder what kind of makeup they used in those days. Patsy, we haven't time to stop for Nick, you to look at make. Look here. Why, this makeup isn't old at all. What's that? No, this is the very latest type of movie makeup, and it's all new stuff. Well, good for you, Patsy. Yes, there's something funny about this. Definitely, Nick. Well, this panchromatic makeup wasn't developed until Technicolor came in. They didn't use this type of makeup back in the days when this studio was in use. Somebody must have been here since. And none of the actors are making up way over here. Right, Patsy. I'll make a detective out of you yet. Now let's see if we can find anything else. Oh, I'm getting creeps, Nick. I don't like it here. Patsy, I think we're getting warm. This is one of the first real clues with... Hey. Hmm? Recognize that? Wait. Well, that must be the glass tank they used to take that swimming sequence in the voodoo movie. Right you are. I wonder why they left it half full of water this way. When they finished taking that scene, they probably just walked off and left it here. Maybe. Don't forget they closed this place in a hurry. What are you doing? Patsy, this water is fresh. What? It'd be stale if it'd been here ten years. Stale and smelly. Hey, I'm beginning to think maybe Stone's right and there is a hex on this place. Too bad that voodoo picture wasn't in Technicolor. Those colored stones at the bottom of the tank would have showed up beautifully. They are beautiful, aren't they? Yes, you bet. Hey, Patsy. What? Look here. Those aren't just colored stones. They're... Douse your lights, Patsy, quick. We've got callers. Tuck back here behind this crate. Why the boss always swipes such important rocks? Why didn't he settle for just a small prize? And the men we're after. Big time, that's why. He's got enough dough to pay all the bills until that stuff cools off. And when it's safe to handle it, he'll smuggle it out of the country and sell it for plenty. What's he leave it lying around here for? Hidden in the old equipment. Now, now we know why boy was killed. Would have anybody ever come back here. Gosh, when that punk went into that storehouse, I bet he saw the works. Uh, he didn't. The boss spotted him going in and just had time enough to get that knife and come back and nail him. And the kid was dashing back the stone to spill the beans. Gee, the boss is sure lucky. He ain't lucky. He's smart. He had Lippy planted up on that catwalk just in case somebody got an idea to go into that electrician's storeroom. And somebody did. Just that here. takes brains to know that. Well, we better get going, huh, Jake? Yeah, you start draining the tank so we can get the rocks. I'll get the makeup stuff. Why is he moving everything out now? He figures it'll cool off by now, and with the stuff he's going to lift from that door in this afternoon... I think I'm going to sneeze. Hold it, Patsy. Who's that? Hey, look. Over there, Jake. Two guys. Only come in. Run for it, Patsy. Run where? Go with me. Let her go, you lousy rat. Get away. Let her go. Let her go. Let her go. Guess that'll hold him. Oh, Gosh, it took three of us to knock him cold. 
He a fighter or something? Hey, hey, I know him. It's Nick Carter, the dick. Well. Nick Carter? Hey, and a good-looking doll. Well, it's a good thing you called me in time. Now, what are we going to do with them now that we got them, huh? We can't just sleep them lying around. Somebody's bound to notice them. Hey, the fish tank. Yeah, that's right. We'll throw them in there. Then when they're good and drowned, we'll drain the tank and get them and the other stuff out at the same time. Good idea, Lippy. Okay. Here, Pete, you lift the lid. You shut the girl in, Lippy. All right. Jake and I will dump that Carter guy in. It'll be a real pleasure to do something like this to a copper. Yeah. Come on. Ready? Go ahead. Put Carter in first. Okay. Here he goes. Happy swimming, Carter. Yeah. Now dump the dame in, Jake. In you go, lady. Ah, that's okay. Uh, hey, listen, guys. Suppose they get out. We'll see that they don't get out. Stokey, huh? Put the lid down on the tank. Okay, Jim. And I'll put this padlock on, and they're safe as if they was in jail. <laughs> that's good work. Hey, hey, look, boys, they're coming too. So what? Who cares now? Yeah, who cares? Lippy. Huh? Turn on the water. Okay. Here she comes, Jake. Get those two baby spots set up there, will you? This what you want? Ah, uh, that's better. Now, uh, open number two a little more. Okay. Uh, this is the take. Ready? Ready. Lights. Camera. All right. Action, Miss Dory. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the... No, 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 Lula, darling. Mean what you say. Remember, your lover has returned. Now, this is your big moment. Now, relax. Take it easy. Now, now, come on. Once more. All right, action. Come on. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the envelope, even before I read the words that you've written there, I realized that what I'd hoped for so long had at last... <laughs> What's the matter with those lights? Why aren't they... Turn on those lights. I'm in charge here. There'll be no confusion. Quiet, everybody. Quiet. The masked man. Who are you to tell me under the lights on the stone? This is a holder. Oh, Look here, you. You can't pull a holder. Quiet, I said. Quiet if you don't want a bullet hit you. Quiet, quiet. The masked man. That's better. Now, nobody will get hurt if you just keep quiet and do as you're told. Turn on that spotlight. Okay, boss. That's it. Now, all of you, line up against the wall there. Come on, get moving. I don't want to shoot, but I will if you make me. And shut up. Uh, you can't tell me to shut up. That order includes you too, Riley. Now, don't forget that although you can't see me with this spotlight shining in your eyes, I can see you very clearly. Now, each one of you in turn will step forward and put your valuables on that table and center stage. And don't try to hold out on me or it'll be bad for you. All right. We'll start with a star performer, Miss Lulu Doré. Please, Miss Doré, if you think I can't see her trying to hide behind the drapes over there, you're wrong. You're in this, too. Your jewels, please. No. No, not my emeralds. 
Surely you won't. Surely I will. It's those emeralds I'm particularly interested in. You don't think I care for the little wristwatches and pocketbooks I'm going to get from the rest of these people, do you? But you can't mean to take my... One more word out of you and I'll come after them myself. And if I do it... Stand where you are, Tyson. I've got you covered. Nick Carter! Nick! Trees, B, is that you? Come and get me, Carter. Watch him, Ali, if you can. Turn the lights on, Patsy. Right, Nick. Here they are. There he goes, Nick! I missed him, darn it. Did you see where he went, Nick? There he goes, Mr. Carter, climbing up the... Climbing up the catwalk. Tyson, come down from there or I'll shoot. You haven't got a gun, Nick Carter. Yours is too wet to shoot after your little swim. But I've got my gun. Here! You missed me, Tyson, but I won't miss you. You may not know it, but my guns are absolutely waterproof. Nice work, Carter. You shot the gun right out of his hand. And now your gun's gone, Tyson. Come on down. Yeah, come up here and get me. You haven't caught me yet. So Look at him run. He should make a misstep or lose his balance up there. He'd fall off and get a... Tyson! Tyson, stop! Stop! Look out! You don't slip there! Nick! He lost his balance! Watch out, Tyson! Say you want us to drop you at headquarters, Riley? If you will, Nick. Okay. You men get the rest of Tyson's gang, all right? He did. They're coming right behind us. Was Tyson badly hurt from his fall? Oh, no, not much. Just a broken ankle. He'll be all right. <laughs> all right, that is, until he gets to the electric chair. Oh, Nick, when I think of how close we came to drowning, I'm scared all over again. Hey, how did you say you got out of that tank, Nick? Believe it or not, Lieutenant. He cut a piece of that heavy glass with a diamond in his ring. Well, what do you know? But, but look, if it was as easy as all that, well, what took you so long doing it, Nick? I had to wait until the thugs got out of the room. Then I just cut a nice little circle out of the glass right beside where the padlock was, reached out, and picked the lock. All very simple. Uh, simple for you, maybe. Not for me. And you say you found the jewels Tyson had stolen in the bottom of the tank, eh? Yes, Riley. What Patsy and I thought were pretty colored stones. Turned out to be all the jewels Tyson had stolen during the last ten years, all unmounted and dumped in with the pebbles in the tank. But what made you first suspect Tyson, Nick? Well, Patsy, it was his voice first. Remember I told you after we saw him in the movie that I knew I had heard his voice somewhere very recently? Oh, so that's why that voice sounded so familiar. Can you imagine that? A movie's tar-turned crook. Then there was the fact that Tyson had faded so completely out of sight after his accident. That looked fishy to me. No great star would have let his career be ruined without bringing a suit of some kind. Unless he had some plans of his own. And from what I learned from Scubby, we realized he never had brought suit. Yes, and a suit like that would have made all the tabloids. But how did you know Tyson and the watchman were the same? I didn't, Patsy. Until you found that makeup kit. That panchromatic makeup is often used to cover scars. And then I remembered the scarred gateman. It fitted so did his voice, and the fact that he had the only remaining set of keys to the lot. And, of course, he had all the opportunity in the world. But I bet you didn't realize that the murders were tied up with the robberies. Not until we heard those crooks talking, I mean. Well, the makeup kit told me that, too. Remember, Patsy, how you always claimed that all those robberies were done by individuals, not a gang? Yes, but I still don't see Well, Tyson that... was a consummate actor, and he had complete knowledge of makeup. He disguised himself as a different character, I imagine, for each robbery. Evidently, he played his role expertly, since he succeeded in giving the impression that different people were committing the various thefts. But say, if that makeup was so good, why couldn't he have gone back to the movies instead of turning thief? Well, Riley, it was good enough for dim lights. 
but not for the sharp eyes of the camera. Oh, I see. You poor fellow. What an end for a great star. Yes. The explosion probably injured his mind, too. One more thing, Nick. How did he get to be caretaker? Oh, I asked Stone that. He said he felt sorry for the man and had given him the job out of kindness. Oh. Well, that's all over now. Except that from now on, I'm allergic to water anywhere, except in drinking glasses. This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, Master Detective, called The Glass Coffin or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Voodoo Curse. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at the same time by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick, will you tell us something about your story for next week? Well, next week we leave this part of the country and are going out west to the mining districts of Montana. Did you go too, Patsy? Yes, I went along. But Nick and Scubby did most of the work and had most of the excitement. I just stayed in the hotel and waited. Yes, that was the first case that Scubby and I really worked out together. And before they were through with it, Scubby very nearly went crazy, literally. And Nick just missed being buried alive. You see, it started out to be a case of robbery. But it ended up with at least two murders and more excitement than I've had in a long time. Well, I hope it's as good as it sounds. It's better. But more of that next week. So long. So long, folks. We'll be seeing you. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In the strange adventure you've just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Nancy and Jean Webb. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week at the same time, another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Flying Duck Murders. Or Nick Carter and the Mysterious Gold Thieves. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. My name is Humphrey Davis. I've been playing the part of Lieutenant Riley in tonight's show. Just now, though, I'm speaking as myself. Actors, you know, appear at many war bond rallies. We like to know that what we can do may help in selling more bonds. But after all, selling more war bonds is everyone's business. You can talk to your friends about the third war loan campaign just as any speaker might. You know the reasons why we must buy extra bonds. You know how purchases of extra war bonds back the attack. You know that they're a great investment... And you know that giving up something you were planning to buy for yourself and buying war bonds instead isn't really any sacrifice. And as you think of these things, how about doing more in this third war loan yourself? Because you can't do too much for the men who are fighting for us every minute somewhere in the world. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. What is it?
another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction, Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure, The Flying Duck Murders, or Nick Carter and the Gold Thieves. Carter, unless you think more of a large fat fee than you do of your life, I advise you to throw up the case at once. Apparently, we don't look at this in the same light, Mr. Dalrymple. I expect danger, and I'm prepared to meet it. I suppose you know that two other detectives have come out to this wild Montana country where the flying duck mine is located trying to find the trouble. But do you know that neither of them lived to tell what they found? How were they killed, Mr. Dalrymple? They went crazy, Miss Bowen. Kessler, the San Francisco man, fell over a cliff. While Riley, the man from Chicago, dropped 600 feet down the main shaft of the mine. Very interesting. I feel quite sure that Nick won't share their fate. May I inquire for whom you're acting, Mr. Carter? You may. For Mr. Cecil Trenwick, an old friend of my father's and a large shareholder in the Flying Duck Mine. He said that you'd cooperate with me in every possible way. I shall do what I can, certainly. Good. I should like you to give me a letter to the superintendent of the mine, telling him that I'm a good workman and that you promised me a job. I shall disguise myself as a miner, using the name... Dave Jarvis. Very well. Uh, you said your name will be Dave Jarvis? Right. Well, that'll do what you want. Give it to Mr. Nate Crosby, the mine super. He happens to be here in town this morning. Unless you change your mind and decide to return to New York. Thank you, Mr. Dalrymple. But I'm staying here until my work is finished. Good morning. Goodbye. Good morning. Wait a minute, Patsy. I wonder if Mr. Dell... Yes, things are beginning to move already. Yes. If I open this door a crack, we'll hear better. Nate, this is Dalrymple. Krennic has done what he's been threatening to do for so long. He sent Nick Carter out here to investigate. Yes, Nick Carter. The one man in the world I'm afraid of. Now you've got to market the stuff right away. We can't wait any longer now. I've given him a note to you. Give him the job he wants and then take care of him. Now, yes, if you don't, it may mean curtains for all of us. Right. So long. And that will settle your future, Mr. Nick Carter. I very much doubt that, Mr. Dalrymple. <laughs> Thanks for the attention, Mr. Dalrymple. But I intend to take care of my own future. So, Mr. Dalrymple is in on the deal. He certainly is, Scubby, up to his neck. Well, at least we start off with one good hot prospect. What do we do now? Get into your miner's office. Then take this note down to this address and give it to Nate Crosby, the mine super. Now, remember, your name's Dave Jarvis and Crosby's to give you a job in the mill. Okay, Nick. Then what? Well, first and foremost, keep your eyes open. Crosby will believe you're Nick Carter. So watch out for him. He'll try to put you out of the way. And don't forget, Scubby, the detectives from Chicago and Frisco both came to grief. Well, it's going to be different with the guy from New York. Now, Patsy, you wait here at the hotel where we can get in touch with you if we need you. Sure, Nick. All right, get going, Scubby. I'm going out to the mine right away. You wait, though, and ride out with Crosby. And watch out for him. Right, Nick. I'll keep one eye on him and one on the mine. Thanks for the lift, bud. That's okay, pal. That's the super's office right there. Thanks. I'll be seeing you. 
Hey, looking for someone? You're the super of the Flying Duck Mine? No, I'm the assistant super. Clem Hendricks is the name. Well, my name's King. I'm writing up an article about the mines of Montana for the Miner's Times of Kansas City. Any objection to me sticking around a while, looking things over? None at all, Mr. King. Just so long as you say something good about us in your article. You want me to show you around? No, thanks. I'll just drift around and see what I can pick up. If anyone stops here, tell them I said it was okay. Thanks, I will. You seeing you? Now, to find the boss of the day shift and get some information on how this place operates. These are the nerve stamping machines, Mr. King. They crush the ore very fine, and it is then sluiced through the battery boxes and carried over the plates. I see. The plates are coated with quicksilver or mercury, and the quicksilver picks up most of the gold and from the crushed ore. And this combination of quicksilver and gold we call amalgam. And you scrape this amalgam off the plates and take it to the refinery? Yes, Mr. King. The refinery separates the gold from the quicksilver and casts it into bars. Very interesting. Well, thanks very much. I'll roam along and look the rest of the place over. See you later. That's where you belong, you old hag. Down there with your flat, your face in the dirt. You try to kill the old hag. I'm you old Indian witch, and I'm going to finish the job right down that knife. I had to drop it between your ribs. Never mind, drop that knife, I said. You're the fool. Knock me down, will you? I'll show you. Put up that gun. Ah, But, Nate, just pull it. Put up the gun, I said. What are you trying to do? Well, I was trying to make Zolander behave. This fellow interfered. It made me mad. Zolander, where is she? Ah, she's right. Well, I'll be darned. She must have run away while me and him was arguing. Ah. So you interfered, did you, mister? Uh, certainly I did. You're King, the newspaper man, aren't you? That's right. I'm here to... I've been up. looking for you. I'm Crosby, mine superintendent. I'll give you just 15 minutes to get out of this camp. So you're Nate Crosby. I am, and I'm the boss here. And I say get out. All right, Crosby. I'll get out. But I'll be back. I never leave a job unfinished. All right, pick them up. You can carry them. I know they're heavy, but they have to have a solid lead lining so we can ship bodies in them. Put them in the old powder house and shut the door when you're through. Okay, boss. Come on, fellas. Okay, all right. Get it up there. That does it. Now we're going to have to move some of these empty powder kegs to make room for all three caskets. Jarvis, you stay here and pile them up out of the way. Rest of you get the other caskets. Okay, boss. All right, hop to it. Is that you, Nick? Where are you? Behind these cakes. Start piling them up. We can talk while you work. Oh, sure, Nick. What happened, Nick? Why are you hiding in here? Crosby ordered me to get out of camp immediately. But the yeah. assistant super suggested I hide here until he get me a ride back to town. Seems he doesn't like Crosby any better than I do. What's with you? Well, I got a job as crusher man on the night shift at the mill. Hey, what are these boxes you're bringing in here? Caskets. Crosby told the teamster the bodies of the two detectives who got killed were to be taken up and shipped to their friends. Right. Here come the men with another box. All right. Nick, there were only two detectives who were killed. 
Who do you suppose the third box is for? For you, I imagine, Scubby. What? Remember, they think you're Nick Carter. I'm only Mr. King, newspaper reporter. Oh. Well, I'll certainly see that that casket stays empty. Scubby, you know where the detectives are buried? Well, the teamster told me that Crosby knows because he and a couple of mill hands took the bodies away. I see. Scubby, yeah. I've got an idea. When the men bring in the other casket, you go out with them. Then make some excuse to come back in here again. Okay, Nick, I'll fix it. Quiet now. Okay. All right, fellas, right here. That's it. All right, that'll do it. I think you're okay. Oh, hey, boss. What? I have to drop my knife inside the powder house. Do you mind if I get it? Do what you want, so long as you're not late for your shift at the mill. Okay, boss, I'll be there. Oh, clear, Nick. They've gone. Now, what's your idea? First, shut the door, Scubby. Oh, sure, Nick. <laughs> well, Scubby, I want to see what's in these caskets. Here, I've got a screwdriver in my knife. Oh, so have I. Look, I'll help you. Good. Well, I'm glad they only use four screws to fasten these covers down. Makes it simpler. But why do you want to see what's inside, Nick? Got a hunch, that's all. Yeah. There, it's got it. You all ready? Yeah. All right, let's get her up. Give me a hand. Yeah. There. Uh-huh. My hunch is right, Scubby. The caskets are not lead-lined. The extra weight is due to this scrap iron in the bottom here. Why, Crosby said they had to have lead lining so they could be shipped with the body in them. These caskets figure in this game more than just as caskets, Scubby. Well, Crosby told the teamster to have a fresh team hitched to the large wagon for him at midnight tonight. I thought so. Scubby, he's going to take these caskets somewhere tonight. And I want to know where. Yeah, but how are you going to find out? I'm going with him. Hidden in this casket. I'll get in it and you put the lead, uh, lead back on. Oh, but Nick, you'll smother in there with the lid down. Oh, Scubby, you can put four small pieces of wood under the coffin lid before you screw it down. Oh, but Nick, I wish you would... Hurry up. All right. Pretty good fit. All right. Now hurry up. Okay, Nick. Keep your head down while I put the lid on. Okay. There we are. Have you learned anything yet, Scubby? Well, the only place in the mill where the gold could be stolen is the room where the battery boxes and the plates are. Hey, well, have you found out how they did it? No, not yet. I hope to learn tonight when I'm on duty in the mill. Good, Scubby. You take care of that end. Now watch this end. Yeah. Well, here's good luck to us both. I suspect we both may need it. How's the great Nick Carter doing tonight, Ledger? You mean Mr. Dave Jarvis? Yeah. He's doing swell. Look at him. He's taking another drink. He's been hitting the water bucket steady for the last half hour. Is the loco working? I'll say. The bees are in his bonnet already. Uh, A famous Nick Carter will go the way the other two did. <laughs> hey, what are you fellas doing dancing around like that? Yeah. You can't fool me. There are a lot of billy goats. <laughs> Keep your eye on him. If he starts fighting, lay him out with a crowbar. Don't take any chances. Okay. Did you see that? He's heading for the cliffs. Just like the others. Salander's mixture hasn't failed yet. What's next, Crosby? Ledyard, get my team from the stable at midnight tonight and meet me at the old powder house. Now we can put Nick Carter's name on the third casket.
You sit on the top box. I know that voice. That's Crosby. I'd like to see his face if he knew I was in this Catholic. Hey, what did you take this wild bronzes for, Super? Yeah, the only fresh team in the stable. We got a hard run tonight over rough country, where no truck could possibly go. All right, Sam. Let him go and then climb up here with me. Here they go. Watch him. Okay. Ouch. Oh. Wish they picked a better road to drive on. Now that the loco is done for Carter, we can bring this business to a successful finish. Oh, oh, oh. I hope we're not going far at this rate. You mean we're going to quit? We sure are. We'll market the stuff and make a clean getaway. Ah, this is the roughest ride I've ever had. Hey, 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 you going to market the stuff. Leave that to me. I'll see that each of you gets Stop them, what? Stop them! Hold them in! They're running away. One of the reins is broken. Running away? I didn't count on this. They're going to smash! Jump for your lives! Just in time, boss. Yes. Hey, look at that casket, Crosby. The one with the lid torn off. Huh? Oh, that's the infernal reporter I ordered to get out of camp this afternoon. Well, what was he doing in that casket? Never mind that now. Get him while he's only half conscious. Come on, Sam. Now you... Oh. 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 Good work, boys. That fixes Mr. Reporter. Ties hands and feet with that rope. Okay, boss. He won't fight no more for a while now. Hey, look, Super. Here's a pair of handcuffs in his pocket and a couple of guns. Hey, what kind of reporter are you? Going around with handcuffs and guns in your pocket. You have to draw your own conclusions, Crosby. I've drawn them already. You're here to help Nick Carter. But by this time, Carter's where neither you nor anyone else is going to help him. He's loco. Plum loco. (laughs) You never can be sure about Carter, Crosby. I can this time. And I can be sure of you, too. All right, put him back in the casket, boys. Put the cover on. Nail it down if you can't find the screws. Here, here's some nails. Come on, you. In you go. I got out the last time I was in here, Crosby. But you won't get out this time. Get the lid on, boys. That's does it. That's well, that's enough. He can't do anything with his hands tied. Lydiard, you and Sam get the shovels that were in the wagon and dig a nice deep hole. We'll bury our reporter friend with our blessings. <laughs> Get them senses now. You see, you hear, you know what me say. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Good. You eat better now. Hey, who are you? Me, Zolander. You save Zolander life. Zolander, your friend. You drink this. You feel eat better. Quick. Thanks. Now, hey, tell me, how'd I get here? Just before sun come up, me chase crazy man through woods. Then me here gun shoot. See you run. 
You come fall down by Zelanda, hurt in head. So we bring you here, Zelanda hut. Well, certainly glad you were around when I passed out. Crosby, you enemy? <laughs> certainly is now. You say you were chasing a crazy man? Mm. Him drink loco, like two other men come before. I wonder if that could have been Scubby. Crosby said he was loco. Zolanda, what did you want to find him for? Me want save him life. Give medicine. Make him well. But, but, but what did you want to save him? Crosby give him loco, this man. Zolanda hate Crosby. Want save man. Crosby want kill. Zolanda, listen. I think this crazy... <laughs> Quick, Zalanta. Give me some rope. I'll tie his hands and feet while he's unconscious. Ah, oh, poor Scully. Looks as if he'd been through the war. Oh. You rope, you tie. Thanks. Oh. Now. <clears throat> me get medicine. Make them all better from you. That's Scully. Oh. That should hold you now. Here, medicine. Make them well. Make them drink. Oh. Thanks. All right, Scabby, old boy. Come oh, on, I'll drink it. Come on, drink it. Oh. Come on. Oh, there. Devils and blood. Come on now. Come on. There you are. There. Come on. That's it. Mm. Yeah, now. Oh, now, him sleep little while. Be all right when him wake up. That poor guy. I'll not untie your arms anyway. Take this coat off you, and you'll be more comfortable. <laughs> Hey, what this? A coil of wire with a lot of metal discs attached to it. That, what? That's the answer. Of course. A mystery of the flying duck mine is a mystery no longer. Well, Scubby, you feeling better now that you've had some sleep? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Why? You don't remember what happened to you yesterday morning? Well, the last thing I recall is going to the water bucket and taking a long drink. Seems as if the more I drank, the more I wanted. Well, that water bucket was loaded with local weed juice. What? Surprised you didn't notice it. Oh, I'm surprised at myself now. But both the amalgamators, even Crosby himself, kept drinking. Or pretending to from that same bucket. Well, they certainly had me fooled. Hey, look, Scubby. You remember seeing these discs strung on this coil of wire? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I recall seeing one of the amalgamators have it last night. Why, did I bring it here? You did. And it breaks the case wide open. Well, good for me, even if I don't didn't know it. Hey, tell me, Nick, what are those discs used for? Here, I'll show you. Yeah. Now watch. Now, you see? This stuff I'm scraping off is amalgam. Mm-hmm. A mixture of quicksilver and gold. The men who worked in the battery boxes in the mill, the amalgamators, hung these discs and a lot more like them. In the battery boxes, right where they'd catch the best of the gold before it flowed over the other plates. They took out over half the gold that flowed into the boxes this way. So that's where all those thousands of dollars worth of gold disappeared to. Yes, Scubby. A very clever method of stealing the gold. Now, if we could only find out what Crosby and his gang do with the amalgam after they scrape it off their discs. Hmm. You want catch, Crosby? Well, I'll say we do if we... Hey, Nick. Who is she? Oh, that's Zolanda. She saved my life. Oh, and yours, too, incidentally. Saved my life? How? Well, that local weed juice you drank is fatal. Well, Zolanda gave you an antidote for it. Well, gosh, thanks, Zolanda. Gee, I'm sure much obliged. Crosby track you me. Me fix him. Zolanda knew all about Crosby. You come with me. Well, where are you taking us? Hmm. 
Because they got cave inside mountain where he hide stuff. Come, me show you. So this is where Crosby hides out, huh? Yeah. Too bad there's no one here now. But they've been here today. Look there, Scubby. Well, that looks like the scrap iron we took out of the casket in the old powder house before you hid in it. Right, Scubby. And this scrap iron was in the other two caskets. So they brought them up here. I wonder why. There's the answer. Over there in that corner. And the Sayers furnace. And it's still warm, Scubby. Now, we must have scared them off while we came up. Wait. Let me take the cover off this retort. Nick, is that gold in there? That's just what it is. Part of the gold stolen from the mine. This is where the gang refined the amalgam they scraped off their discs. It's much easier to handle gold this way because it weighs so much less. Now, since we know from what Dalrymple said that they never disposed of any of the stolen gold, they must have eight or nine hundred pounds of it by now. Hey, maybe they've got it hidden around here somewhere. They did have, Scubby, but not now. Well, what makes you think so, Nick? Here, take a look outside there. They've been digging there very recently. Oh, but of course, Nick, they had to dig up the bodies of the two detectives to ship them back home. No, 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 Scubby. The way it looks to me is this. After I got away from them last night, Crosby and his men took up the casket they tried to bury me in. And tried to bury the... you in? Hey, you didn't tell me about well, that. I'll ask about it later, Scubby. Right now, I'm interested in what happened here. They brought the three caskets up here early this morning. Loaded them up. How could they load three of them? They only had two bodies. No, Scubby. Three caskets were loaded up. Don't you understand yet? No, Nick, I'm afraid I don't. How could they be Scubby. loading... How good are you at riding a horse? Riding a horse? Yeah. Well, I used to ride years ago. Why? Good. Zalanda, can you get us a couple of good fast horses right away? For you, me, get two good horses quick. Good. Come on, Scubby. Let's get the horses and ride to the railroad station before the eastbound train gets in. But, Nick, what's all the hurry? Well, unless I'm wrong, Scubby... These three caskets are going east on the next train. We've got to get there in time to stop them. Oh, even Crosby himself would recognize us. These Indian costumes, the land will let us. Well, we may need to be disguised before we get through. Hey, you didn't finish telling me how you got away from Crosby and his gang when they started to bury you alive. What did happen, Nick? Well, they dug the hole, and they put the casket down in it. I tried to pry the lid loose, but my hands were tied behind me. I worked on them, and just as they started throwing the dirt back on top of the casket... I finally got my hands free and untied my feet. Just then, I heard shooting and some female screaming. A female? Out there in the wilds? Yeah. It was Zoland, I found out later. Well, I managed to loosen the cover and push it up enough to see that Crosby and the men were watching something across the clearing. So I seized my chance and climbed carefully out of the hole on the opposite side. I started to run, but they saw me and started shooting. Fortunately, though, they were bad shots, and I was almost free when a bullet grazed my head. Must have stunned me. Because I remember nothing more till I woke up in Zolanda's hut this morning. Well, do you know what it was that distracted the men's attention? Well, Zolanda told me that you were chasing her, trying to shoot her. She was screaming. You chased her around the other side of the clearing and then went off after something else. It was just about then that you saw me running toward her. When Crosby saw me drop, he gave up the chase. Zolanda waited until they went back and then dragged me to her hut. Gosh, Nick, we owe a lot to Zolanda. Right, Scubby. And the best way we can pay that debt is to see that Crosby and his murdering pals end up where they belong, behind bars or in the electric chair. Uh-huh.
up next? You want the police chief to meet you at the station in ten minutes. And you want Mr. Dalrymple and the president and treasurer of the mine to meet you in the chief's office in an hour. That's right. I'll be sure you get them all. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. These are the ones, Nick. These three here on the baggage truck. Did you notice the names on them, Scubby? Yeah. Joe Briley, Phil Kessler, or look, Nick Carter. Hmm. I'd rather be out here dressed as an Indian than in there dressed as a corpse. One side now, rain in the face. We got to get these caskets into the baggage car. Oh, just the... a minute. You see this badge? Special agent. So what? What do you want me to do? Just leave these caskets in the baggage truck for now. But they're supposed to go on this... staying the... here, quiet. Hey, look here, baggage master. Get these boxes on the train and be quick about it. No be in hurry, mister. Why, you Indian meddler, what the deuce huh? do you... You look behind you. What do you mean? Take your hat off, Scubby. Sure, Nick. There you are, Mr. Crosby. Dave Jarvis. Why, you... Don't try to start anything, Crosby. I've got my gun on you. Hey, where are you getting these boxes off? Where are your men, officer? These three, right here. Get your hands up, all of you, and fast. Hey, what the you devil, you... What is it? Quiet, all of you. You three men are under arrest. Charge of robbing the Flying Ducks mine and with the murder of Detectives Riley and Kessler. They're all here, Nick. Thanks, Patsy. Now, Mr. Dalrymple, I asked you and the officials of the Flying Duck mine to meet me here in the office of the Chief of Police because I want to show you what's in the casket that Crosley was taking back east with him. Now, the first casket is supposed to contain the body of Phil Kessler. All right, Scabby, open it. Sure, Nick. Gold. Gold bullion. Yes, Chief. In these three caskets, you'll find the entire amount of gold stolen from the mine. Stolen by Dalrymple, the mine manager, Crosby, the mine super, and four of the workmen who worked in the amalgam room of the mill. They stole the amalgam, refined it in their own furnace, and buried it in two holes in the ground, which was supposed to be the graves of the two dead detectives. But Mr. Carter, that much gold would make the caskets pretty heavy. Wouldn't that extra weight be noticed? No, Chief. Because when you ship a body by train, the casket has to be lead-lined and hermetically sealed. That means it weighs much more than the usual casket. Crosby, Ledger, and Perkins were each going to take one of the caskets east with them as a personal baggage, which would prevent anybody from examining them too closely. One of the cleverest schemes I've seen in a long time. But it wasn't clever enough, not with Nick on the job. You have to get up early in the morning to beat Nick. This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, master detective, called The Flying Duck Murders, or Nick Carter and the Gold Thieves. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at the same time by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick, we want to hear a little about next week's mystery. Well, it all started when we heard that ship screaming. Now, Nick, you know as well as I do that a ship doesn't scream. <laughs> well, this one did. I was there and I heard her screaming myself. It was one of the most dreadful sounds I've ever listened to. Yes, but that was after the seventh murder. Seven murders? Mm-hmm. Did you find out who was doing that wholesale slaughter? Well, of course he did. But not before two other construction workers were killed. Yes, there were nine murders in all. Murders of the most fiendish sort. Those are just a few of the things we'll explain to you next week. So long, folks. So long. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In the strange adventure you've just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark. Patsy by Helen Choate, and Scubby by John Kane. Original music was played by Lou White. The program was written and directed by Jock McGregor. 
Next week at the same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Screaming Ship. For Nick Carter and the Flying Fits. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. It's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction, Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure... State's Prison Evidence. Or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Midnight Robbery. Pardon me, uh... Could you let me have a line? Certainly. There you are. Swell night, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It's a pleasure to walk on a night like this. Yeah. Well, thanks. Not at all. Good night. Good night. Yes, even in a big city like this, the stars are just... Oh. What? Oh. I wonder what's wrong with her. Oh. I beg your pardon, but is there anything I can do? Oh. Can I help you? Is, is something wrong? Murder! Murder? Who is it? My uncle. When did it happen? I don't know. Well, where is he? In the library. In this big house right here? Yes. Oh, it's awful. You shouldn't be out here in your nightclothes. It's too chilly. Come. Let me take you back to the house. Come on. Yes. Back to the house. Did you call the police? No. I just saw him lying there in a pool of blood. Then I... I came out here to get help. Well, I'm Nick Carter, the detective. I'll be glad to help you if I can. Now, careful going up the steps. There we are. Now, if you'll show me the library. He's, he's in there. Oh, yes, I see. He's dead, all right. Who found him? The housekeeper. She came in late and saw a light still on in here. And she looked in to see if he needed anything and saw... Then she called you? Yes. And you are... I'm Ella Jarbeau, his niece. I, I've lived here with him for the last five years since my mother died. I see. Has anything been touched since the body was found? No. Nobody's been in here at all. Good. Uh-huh. Shot through the head. Close range. Well, it... Looks as if he did it himself. No. No. Well, here's the pistol that was used right beside him. Did you hear the shot? No. I sleep at the opposite end of the house. Oh, Mr. Carter, please find whoever killed my uncle. What makes you think he didn't kill himself? He wouldn't do a thing like that. I know it. Well, that's hardly evidence, Miss Ella. Did you see this note? Note? I know. Your uncle apparently left it propped up here in his desk. 
Addressed to Mrs. Sarah Jarbeau, 7 Dunner Street, City. Do you know her? I never heard of her. What does it say? Let's see. My dear madam, you've been a widow, in fact, ever since the hour following our marriage. But before day breaks, you will be a widow in name also, for I shall be dead. I have at last learned the truth. The one who told me right after our wedding ceremony that you were everything evil has at last confessed that you were really as good as I believed you to be. It's too late for me to ask you to forgive me for the great wrong I've done you. So I'm taking this way of making what amends I can. The upper drawer of my desk is my will, which leaves everything to you, the repentant husband, Enos Jarbeau. Well, that's a remarkable document. Did you know anything about your uncle ever having been married? No, I, I never heard that before. Well, that note would seem to prove it was suicide. I know better. May I see that note? Of course. Here. I knew it, Mr. Carter. My uncle didn't kill himself, and he didn't write this note either. Isn't that your uncle's handwriting? It looks very much like it, but he didn't write it. Uncle didn't use this kind of pen. What do you mean? Uncle Enos was very proud of his handwriting, and he never used anything but a special type of old-fashioned steel pen point. It has a very fine point. I see. Yes. This note was undoubtedly written with a stub point. Another thing, Mr. Carter. Uncle never wrote anywhere except at his desk here. And this desk has been locked since yesterday morning, and I have the key. How long have you had it? I borrowed it yesterday morning because I had some letters to write, and I've had it ever since. Is there another key to this desk? No. Uncle would never write anywhere else. You're quite a convincing detective, Miss Ella. And if you're right, this can't be suicide in spite of the other evidence. I know I'm right. Uncle would never have taken his own life. I believe you. And I'm just curious enough about this to do a little investigating myself. If I'm as good a detective as you are... I'll find your uncle's murderer in short order. You think this Mrs. Sarah Blake is the woman you want, Nick? I'm not sure, Patsy. But when the maid told me that she never heard of Mrs. Sarah Jarbeau, but that Mrs. Sarah Blake lives here, I thought I'd better talk to her. She might be Mrs. Jarbeau using her maiden name. Here she comes now. You uh, wish to speak to me? I'm looking for Mrs. Sarah Jarbeau. Do you know her? I do. I am Sarah Jarbeau. You are right, Nick. My name is Bill Peters. I'm a reporter. I'm writing a story on the sudden death of your husband, Enos Jarbeau. Oh, the poor man. He died to make up to me for my years of heartbreak. Yes, I, I saw the note he left. Would you please tell me what happened? Well, I met him one summer on the coast of Maine. We were married in the fall. We took a train for Boston. And on the way, he went into the smoking car to smoke a cigar. I never saw him again. Why, that's terrible. Why didn't he come back? I only know that when the train reached the station, a messenger gave me $500 and a note. Oh. It said that he had learned I was not a good woman and that I should never see him again. But didn't you try to clear it up? No. If he believed it, I would never seek to persuade him otherwise. I've worked as a governess ever since. I see. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mrs. Jarbo. Come along, Patsy. Goodbye, Mrs. Jarbo. I hope you'll be happy now. Thank you. And goodbye. Hmm. She certainly got a tough break. You know, Patsy, I was prepared to doubt everything she told me, but somehow I'm inclined to believe her story, even if it does spoil my theory that she's part of an elaborate put-up job. Which way are you going from here? Oh, well, I think I'll... Pardon me. Uh, would you let me have a light? Yes, of course. Here you are. Thanks. Nice day, isn't it? Yes, very pleasant. Thanks. So long. So long. Oh, come along, Patsy. Uh, wait a minute. 
I've met that man somewhere before. He asked me for a light just that same way. Where was it? Well, of course. It was outside Jarbo's house last night right after the murder. You mean you think he... Wait a minute, watch a minute. I want to see if he... Yes. He's going into the house we just left. Right. If he and Mrs. Jarbo know each other, the chances are her story is a phony. Oh, but Nick, she's still... I know it, I know it, Patsy, but this changes things. Patsy, I want you to find out what you can about old Eno Jarbo's past. Find out about that marriage, if there ever was one. But first, call Scubby and tell him to get here right away. Okay. That man leaves before Scubby gets here. I'll follow myself. Otherwise, Scubby can tail him. But I've got to know where he goes and what he does. Right now, he's our one positive clue. Is it all right to talk in here, Nick? The lobby of the big hotel is probably the safest place in the world to talk in, Scubby. Well, what'd you find out? Well, I followed him over to a saloon over on 3rd Avenue. Yeah? There was a fellow waiting there for him. I tried to hear what they talked about, but all I could get was the name Jarbol. Yeah, I heard that several times. I thought so. But just as I was really getting in close, a couple of plainclothes cops came along and pinched him. Pinched him? What for? Well, it seems he broke out of state's prison three days ago. I heard the cops call him Barney McCoy. Barney McCoy. Yeah. Jailbird from state's prison. Ah, pardon me, Scubby. Want to speak to the desk clerk? Oh, sure, Nick, but what do you have to... Oh, clerk, I'd like to speak to the governor's suite, please. Yes, Mr. Carter. Uh, use booth number two, right over there, please. Thank you. Oh, Nick, what in the world do you want to talk to the governor for? Just have a remember, Scubby. He's stopping at this very hotel for a few days. I want him to do me... Uh... Hello, Mr. Secretary. Well, this is Nick Carter. I'd like to speak to the governor a moment, if I may. Thank you. Hello, Governor. This is Nick Carter. Fine, thanks. Governor, I want to go to state's prison. Oh, no, not as a visitor. I want to go as a convict. Nick, are you nuts? No, I mean it. You can spare me five minutes. I think I can convince you. Thanks. I'll be right up. Ella, I asked you to meet me here at my office because I'm going to be out of town for a few days and I want to have everything straight before I leave. Uh, Has anything further happened? Nothing, Mr. Carter, except that Mrs. Jarbeau has installed herself in the house as its mistress... She's very unpleasant to me, and I know she'd like me to leave. Well, you stay right there. Did the will leave anything to you? No, Mr. Carter. Everything went to her. I can't understand it. I can. That will is forged. But the will is in Uncle's handwriting, and both the witnesses to the will have identified their signatures as genuine. And the will was found where the note said it would be. Well, nevertheless, I'm convinced the will's a fake. Betsy, what did you find out? Nina Jabot and Sarah Blake were married right enough. I found the record in a little church on the south side. Hmm. Sarah really is his wife. Ford's will doesn't make sense. And neither does a suicide note, which Jarbo didn't write. Maybe he did kill himself after all, Mr. Carter. Maybe he just forgot about me. No, I don't believe it, Ella. I don't either. And, Ella, I'm going to prove I'm right, even if I... even if I have to go to jail to do it. Oh, you're the new man... Yeah, Warden. What's your name? Max Herbert. Where were you born? Buffalo, New York. How old are you? Thirty-three. Nationality? American. Married? Nope. Crime? Housebreaking. Very well. The guard will take you to the photographers and then to the laboratory. Well, fella, you've been here three days. 
How do you like working in this shoe shop? I don't like it. Not cut out for it. What are you in for? Second story job. What'd I get you for? Cracking a safe. There's four of us. Two of them got away. Me and McCoy was nailed cold. McCoy? Hey, you wouldn't mean Barney McCoy, would you? Yeah. Yeah, you know him? Sure, know him well. Great guy. Yeah, sure is. You know his wife? Yeah, some. He's a darn smart woman, Eddie is. Eddie? Yeah. Thought her name was Sarah. No, no, his wife's Eddie. Sarah was his sister. Yeah, they look so much alike, you couldn't tell one from the other. Yeah. Well, what became of Sarah? I don't know. She married some rich guy for his money, but left it flat. I don't know what happened after that. Eddie's still in town waiting for Mac to get out. Yeah, he did break out. A few days ago. He just caught him and brought him back here. Yeah. Yeah, they got him on the rock pile for trying to escape. Hey, cut out that talking, you guys. Get back to work. Okay, okay. So Barney McCoy's on the rock pile now. I rather think I'd like to be transferred to the rock pile myself. Hey, Barney. Yes? Look. You've known me now for almost two weeks. Yeah. So what? You know, I wouldn't give you a bum steer, Doctor. What are you leading up to, Max? I'm working on a way to get out of here. Before I come up here, I heard you're on the level. I'd like to let you in on it. Where did you ever hear of me outside this place? Oh, the big town. A girl named Sarah told me about you. What? You married her sister, Eddie. You know Sarah? Sure. About five, six years ago. Haven't seen her since, though. Uh, Sarah's, uh, Sarah's in Europe now. Yeah. When are you planning on getting out of here? As soon as I get the necessary people lined up. If I had some dough, we could get out of here tomorrow. How much do you need? About 200 to start with. Okay. I'll have it for you tomorrow. Okay, Max. You get that stuff and we'll be out of here in two days. All right, you get five minutes to talk. Hey, Nick, why don't you... Hold it, hold it. I'm Max Herbert in here. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have remembered. How in the world did you ever get in this place? Well, the governor fixed it so that I was caught red-handed robbing the home of a friend of his. When they caught me, I had the family silver in one hand and the family jewels in the other. (laughs) It was easy. And now you arranged to be transferred to the gang where McCoy's working. Well, have you found anything? Yes, but it's all circumstantial. But Barney McCoy and I are breaking out of here day after tomorrow. And I'm hoping to get some proof then. Are you sure you're getting out of here? Yes. One of the keepers is working with us. Oh. I think this same keeper fixed McCoy's getaway last time. And I also think, from what I've heard, that he may have helped in Jarbo's murder. Yeah? I've learned positively that he was absent from the prison on leave that day. But isn't there danger if you're getting hurt if you try to break out of here? Of course there is. I have to take that chance. I've got to stick to McCoy. Don't worry, Scubby. I'll be all right. I hope... All set, McCoy? All set. Everything's fixed. Good. You see that delivery truck over there, Max? Yeah. Well, that's going to break down when it tries to start. I get it. We'll have to help it get out of the yard here. Right. Listen. He's trying to start it now. The guard all set? Sure. Mike's with us all the way. Same as before. Hey, you over there. That's us. Come on. Give us a hand with this truck. Okay. 
What's the matter? Motor won't start. Have to give him a push. You two get a hold here and give him a start. Okay, Mike. Rest of you guys get back to work. All right, get your shoulder behind it, Max. Okay. Let's go. All right. Heave. All right, again. Heave. Once more. Come on, get it going. We ain't got all day. Heave. As soon as the motor starts, jump on the truck. Right, I got you. Okay, again. There. Come on, Max. I'm in. Get down so they can't see you. Look, ridge over the railroad tracks is just ahead. When we get over the tracks, be ready to jump. Be right with you. All right, now. Come on. Right behind you, Barney. Jump on the tender of that engine below us. Now. Okay. You all right, McCoy? Yeah. Come on, engineer. Give her all the steam you got. Don't stop the talk. You, fireman, feed the cold to her. I don't want to use this gun unless I have to. Watch out, Max. The outside wall of the prison is just ahead. You'd better duck. There's going to be shooting. Right, McCoy. All okay so far? Oh, there it comes. Watch it. Uh, look at it pour it out. <laughs> well, we're out of jail now. And for good. It's good to see you back in your office again, Mr. Carter. Yes, it's good to be back here, Ella. Now, tell me, have you learned anything interesting since I last saw you? I think so, Mr. Carter. Well, let's have it. A few months ago, our housekeeper spent about a month visiting her son in California. Before she went, she put an ad in the paper for a temporary housekeeper. Several women answered the ad, and uh, Mrs. Martin was given the job. She had light brown hair and wore dark glasses. I disliked her on sight, and I'm sure she disliked me. When our housekeeper returned... This Mrs. Martin left, and I never saw her again until the day my uncle was buried. What do you mean, Ella? On that day, she presented herself as my uncle's widow. Your uncle's widow? Yes, Mr. Carter. When she first came to live in the house after the funeral, I thought there was something very familiar about her. But not until a few days ago did I suddenly realize that Mrs. Jarbeau was Mrs. Martin, with black hair instead of brown and without her dark glasses. Ella, could you swear to that? No, but some of her little mannerisms, certain tricks of speech, uh, a funny way of walking, all make me positive. That explains the mystery of how the fake will was forged. While Mrs. Martin was substituting for the housekeeper, she could have found out about the will, taken it out... Had a new one forged and then returned it. The night your uncle was murdered, the forged will was substituted for the original one in the desk drawer by using a duplicate key that had been prepared in advance. And it might interest you, Nick, to know that when Ella told me this the other day, I checked at the house where we first met Mrs. Jarbeau. The woman there told me that Mrs. Jarbeau was away on a visit during the month that Mrs. Martin took the place of Ella's housekeeper. Good work. That settles it, Betsy. Just a minute, Mr. Carter. There's another thing you better know. Something else? Yes, Mr. Carter. Last evening, a strange man came to the house. He and Mrs. Jabot were apparently old friends because she called him Mac. Barney McCoy. She took him up to her room where I heard them talking for a long time. I tried to hear what they were saying but couldn't get close enough. But I did hear him say it was time to get that girl out of the way for good. Hmm. And then Mrs. Jabot said that now that Mac was back, it was time to wind up the job. Well, Ella, if everything goes as I hope it will, we'll be the ones to wind up the job, not Mrs. Jabot. Anything else you want me to do? Yes. Meet me in the rear of your home tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. We'll make our final arrangements then. In the meantime, sit tight and keep your ears and eyes open.
Carter. That you, Ella? Yes. Come into the living room here. We can talk better. Okay. Sure there's no one around? Not now. That man, Mac, was here earlier, but he left quite a while ago. Mrs. Jabot has gone up to her room. We can talk safely here. All right. Don't turn on the light. Maybe seen. We can talk just as well in the dark. Whatever you say. Now tell me, does Mrs. Jarbeau know you've ever seen this man, Mac? Oh, no. I've kept out of the way whenever he's been around. Good. Do you know what he came here for this evening? Uh, there was talk about chloroform and poison. And then she told him the lawyer for the, for the estate was here this afternoon mm-hmm. and said that she would be in full legal possession of the estate in another few days. I see. And then he said that if that was the case, it was the time to act before it was too late. Well, it's time for us to act, too. I think we'd better... Quiet. Somebody's unlocking the door through which we came. Maybe they won't come in here. Who's in this room? I can't see you in the dark, but I know you're there. Who's there? Who are you? None of your business. Speak up or I'll shoot. If you do, you'll never live to see another day. What's going on in here? Why isn't the light on? Mrs. Jabot. Ella. What are you doing here? Barnaby, Coy, you. Max Herbert, by all this holy. What are you doing here? Why, I, uh... Well, you see, Barney, I, uh... Yeah? He's here because he loves me. Don't you know this man is an ex-convict? You ought to be serving a sentence in state's prison right now. Yes, I know that. Well, that's why we had to meet like this, Barney. Is this true, Ella? Yes, Mrs. Jabot, it is. Hmm. Look here, you. You interviewed me a couple of weeks ago, said you were writing a story for your paper. You said then your name was Peters. Now you say it's Herbert. Well, my real name is Herbert Peters, ma'am. You see, I... And you. I, uh... What are you doing here? I'm a night watchman on duty in this neighborhood. I saw this man come in here and followed him. Recognized him as a suspicious character. They're both lying. Get out of here, both of you, immediately. And as for you, Ella, get upstairs at once. I'll deal with you later. Well, that's all the thanks I get for trying to protect your place against thieves. I will get out. Come on, you. Go ahead, Barney. I'm coming. Good night, Ella, dear. And see that you never come back. Either of you. Hey, Max. Yeah? Was that story about you and the girl straight? Why, sure, Barney. Wasn't your story on the level? Well, to... Tell you the truth, I was going to see if I could find a few things I could swipe. (laughs) I'm flat broke. You haven't got a few bucks on you, have you? Sure, Barney. I can let you have a ten spot. What? Here. Gee, thanks, pal. I'm going to forget you for this. Forget it. Yeah, we sure were lucky to get out of there so easy. Yeah. I thought the old dame was going to have us pinched. You're under arrest, both of you. So don't try to have it right. right. There you go. Sit down. Stop. 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 No, you don't. You let go of my arm. You made me miss it. So what? Well, I got you anyway. You won't get away. You're going back to state's prison again, Mr. Max Herbert. Oh, you know my name, do you? I sure do. And I know yours, Ben Lyons. What? You know me? Let me look at you. Gladly. Come over on the street light. All right. You know me now? Well, Nick Carter. <laughs> well, I'll be... Well, gosh, I'm sorry, Mr. Carter, but a, a woman just called the station, said she'd passed two escaped convicts in front of her house, and if we hurried, we could pick them up. Even give us their names, too, well, so I... Well, mean, now, Ben, listen to me. I'm on the trail of something big. 
Have the lieutenant and eight men meet me at 12 o'clock tomorrow night at the back of the Jarbeau place across the street where they won't be seen. Okay. Be sure to tell them not to fail me, because I expect to capture the murderers of Enos Jarbeau. <laughs> as we agreed, Scubby? Yes, Nick. Outside and inside the house. Good. They have orders to let anybody come up here, but to let nobody go downstairs again. And we're ready for the finale in this case. What's that you've got there, Nick? It's a new type of microphone, Patsy. Oh. I've attached it to the wall between this room and Mrs. Jarbo's room. Mm-hmm. Through the vibration of the wall, it'll pick up whatever is said in her room. Then whatever is picked up is amplified so that it's loud enough for us to hear it. The amplifier also has a recording device which makes a permanent record of the conversation on a wire tape. Gosh, what will they think of next? Quiet now. Let's listen. I'll turn it on. But I tell you, Barney, we can't lose. In a few more days, the whole Jarbo estate will be mine, legally. I know, Addie, but can you handle that girl for a few days more? That's well, if McCoy. I can't, we'll give her what we gave the old man. Do we have to? If she's dead, we know she ain't going to bother us. Yeah. So we bet... Hey, what the devil's that? Quiet. How do I know? The housekeeper's answering us. Hey, somebody's coming up here. Did you tell anybody you were coming? Anybody here? Mike, what are you doing here? Well, that's a fine question to ask me. I'm here because you sent for me. Who sent for you? You did, McCoy. You're crazy. I did nothing of the kind. I got your note this morning. It is. What? Come to Jarbo House tonight, but not before 12. Everything okay. Very important. And it's signed, Barney. Listen, I never wrote that note. Well, if you didn't, it means trouble for us. Somebody else knows about this business besides us three. You you mean we're caught? We ain't caught yet. But we will be if we don't watch our step. Even now... I was afraid of this. I knew I should have kept down a bit. Ah, shut up, you rat. You're not in jail yet. But I'm going to be. I can feel it coming. Don't shut up, Mike. I'll bring you. You did it, McCoy. You fired the shot that killed the old man. I just... Shut up, you stupid Come on, kids. It's enough of that. Let's go. Right with you, Nick. I'll take it easy, sir. Wait a minute, will you? I can't wait any longer. Get your hands up, both of you. What? And no funny business. Max, what are you... No, McCoy, not Max. Nick Carter. Nick Carter? You ain't got nothing on us. Oh, I Nick's got it. enough on you three to send you to the chair. Yes, McCoy, we know the whole plot from beginning to end. Tell him what we found out, Nick. What do you mean? It means I know that Sarah married Jarbo, and that shortly afterwards she died. You, Eddie, her sister, married McCoy. When Sarah died, you found her marriage certificate and decided to use your resemblance to her to get the old man's money. McCoy was in prison then, but you arranged with the guard Mike here to help McCoy escape by the time was right. Then to pay Mike for his trouble, you cut him in on the deal. Then you, Eddie, got that temporary job here as a housekeeper, which was an unexpected break. While you were here, you had the fake will made. Then when all was ready, McCoy escaped as planned. Mike came with him, and between the three of you, you chloroformed old Jarbeau, and then shot him in such a way that it looked like suicide. How do you know it wasn't suicide? The suicide note you left for the old man. Whoever Addy got to forge that will for her did such an expert job that the witnesses recognized their own forged signatures as genuine. But whoever wrote that suicide note was so clumsy that he wrote it with a blunt-pointed fountain pen instead of the sharp-pointed steel pen that was the only pen Jarbo ever used. That ain't proof. That's guessing. We've got plenty of proof, McCoy. And if that isn't enough, to top it all off, the conversation in this room between you three crooks has been recorded in full for the past 20 minutes. And if that isn't practically a confession and good legal evidence in any court, my name isn't Nick and Carter.
This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, Master Detective, called State's Prison Evidence, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Midnight Murder. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at the same time each week by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick, what about our story for next week? Well, next week's story started off as a simple question of who stole the firm's funds. But it ended up by being the very perplexing question of who killed two men and caused the death of a third. And not the least puzzling part of the case was to find out who fired the fatal bullet which started off the murders. Isn't that usually the most puzzling part of a murder story? Well, yes, it is. But in this case, the man who was killed was standing by my side in the corridor of a large office building. And there was no one around at the time who could have fired the gun that killed him. I'm afraid I'm getting more mixed up all the time. (laughs) That's exactly how we felt about it. But Nick cleared it all up in spite of everything. And we'll tell you all about it next week. So long. So long, folks. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. See you next week. In the strange adventure you've just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate, and Scubby by John Kane. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was written and directed by Jock McGregor. Next week at the same time, another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... An Angle on Murder. For Nick Carter... And the mystery of the mutilated bullet. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. Mutual.